When you're ready, let's start this game. Unstacked, where we unstack literary news, share what we are reading slash watching, and cool things happening with the Bay County Public Library and the Northwest Regional Library System. Hey, this is Sarah. And I'm Stephen. Welcome. Do you want to just, like, spend this whole episode we can talk about how awesome LeBron James is? I don't know. Can we? We might be able to. All right, sure. Go. (laughs) I'm not a big basketball person, so I'm going to be limited in this discussion. (laughs) I'm not a basketball person either. But I did live in Akron, Ohio for a while, or close to Akron, which is his hometown, and he's an education philanthropist. What does an education philanthropist do? Well, he has developed the LeBron James Family Foundation, which helps provide mentorships and financial assistance, educational resources for kids in the Akron school area. And he created even a school that's called the I Promise School, And he's just released a children's book called I Promise, illustrated by Nina Mata. It's a lovely story, and if you want a sneak peek of what the story is, you can see it on Harper Kids at Home. The illustrator, Nina Mata, reads from the book, and then there's a little message from LeBron James, and it's on the Harper Kids YouTube channel. I may have teared up just like a little bit. Just a little, huh? Just a little bit. It was very sweet, and it's perfect for the start of the new school year. But that's not it. Oh, okay. You have more LeBron James. All right. Lead on. I'm kind of shocked that you being a Ohio native don't feel betrayed by him. Well, people were mad, but then we forgave him pretty fast. Okay. All right. I guess it helps when you're sponsoring all this stuff. Yes. All right. What's part two? Um, the part two is that LeBron has the Spring Hill Entertainment Company with Maverick Carter. Their partners in the company, and Carter was moved after he read Jerry Kraft's award-winning graphic novel, New Kid, which I'm reading right now and is amazing. Um, And they are teaming up with Universal Pictures to make a film adaption. And Jerry Kraft will be an executive producer on the film. Do we have a part three to LeBron? I think that's all the LeBron that I will share today. Well, then I can say we're not going to fill the entire episode with that. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> but came close. So close. <laughs> Some people may not know this. In our library, there was, I don't think it's there anymore, there was a hidden geocache book. Yes, there was. I don't think it's there anymore. I think it got removed at some point. Uh, yeah, people would come specifically looking for this book in the nonfiction section Yes. of the adult yes. side. And why I'm bringing up this hidden item in the, the library mm-hmm. is I happen to have a news story about a hidden item that was recently found in a library. All right. In the Walla Walla Public Library, so out in Washington. They... I just want to say that like several times, Walla Walla. <laughs> well, they were closed down because of the COVID, and they were using that time, much like we've used that time, to change some things. And we'll talk about our changes here in a little bit, because things will be different when you get back in the building. But they were using that time to change some things, and they were taking down some shelves. And in behind those shelves, they discovered a treasure trove. A treasure trove? Well, to some people it might be. <laughs> They discovered a hidden stash of beer and chewing gum. (laughs) Oh, 
no. Yes, they were doing some demolitions. They found five cans of Ham's beer and an opened pack of Godzilla Head's gum. And it was one of those old-style, big-league-chew-style bags of gum. Yeah, do they sell those anymore? I do not think they do. They believe that it was stuffed in there sometime in the 80s. Oh, my gosh. That somebody had hidden their secret stash when they were making, doing some rearranging back then. Yeah. And in the process, it got sealed up, and they could never get their treasure. So it is laid hidden for only the, the most pure of pirate hunting to find this treasure <laughs> this year. It was the building's 50th anniversary, and obviously they were expecting a time capsule, but not a time capsule of beer and gum hidden in the shelving. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yes. Well, I have another book-to-film adaption that I wanted to share that I personally am so excited about. Steven, let's see if you can guess the book by one of the best oh, opening lines to a novel. Last night, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. I can honestly say, no, I will not guess this one. I can never guess the opening lines. <laughs> Very rarely can I guess. So I don't fault you at that. But it's um, the opening line to Rebecca by Daphne de Maurier that was published in 1938. And it's a gothic novel. It is going to be released on Netflix October 21st and hopefully to DVD after that. Lily James, Army Hammer, and Kristen Scott Thomas are to star. And my expectations are high. I loved and watched many times Alfred Hitchcock's 1940 Rebecca film starring Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. There's both the romance and the dark psychological thriller mystery. It's about a young, naive young woman who marries a wealthy widower, Max de Winter, whose former wife, Rebecca, died mysteriously. And, of course, the eerie housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers. And so Rebecca plays such a large role for never really being in the film. Rebecca is also one of those books that has inspired other books. If you like authors like Ruth Ware, you'll probably like Rebecca. And Elena by Rachel Paston is a modern adaption of Rebecca. Instead of a marriage, it's a new museum curator haunted by her predecessor at a contemporary art museum in Cape Cod. I always recommend this title, this modern retelling, to anyone who loves the story of Rebecca. And it's in the library collection. Rebecca was influenced by... Jane Eyre. I can say that of all the Hitchcock movies, I have not seen Rebecca. I really enjoyed that one. It was his first one done in the United States. What is your favorite Hitchcock? I am torn because I really enjoy the technicalities of Rope. I never saw the Rope. It is built as one continuous shot. Oh, wow. Yeah, and a whole movie set through one continuous shot. And so I'm amazed at how they make this appear. But I would say, I think, what's his It's Jimmy Stewart. The Man Who Knew Too Much? No, it's not that one. I enjoyed... Is it, give was me it a, a second. psychological one? Vertigo. 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 Oh, that one was great. Because it was so... It was just weird and kind of psychedelic in a way with the flashings and the colors. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I might have to revisit. You should. Speaking of Netflix adaptations, I am very excited about one myself. This one is going to be starring Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, uh, Sebastian Stan, Bill Skarsgård, Haley Bennett. I mean, the list goes on, and it looks creepy. So creepy. What is it about? Uh, it is a story follows uh, Holland's character, Arvin Russell. As a young man, he lost both of his parents to various circumstances. Uh, he's feeling very alone, and he's an orphan. He's feeling alone, has felt that way most of his life, and he's realized that he's surrounded by unsavory people, including a devilish preacher, played by Patterson, a scheming couple, 
and a corrupt sheriff played by Sebastian Stan. As he comes of age during the 60s, during unsettling times, he begins to sink deeper into the sort of corruption he hates, and he confronts these distasteful characters. The movie is called The Devil All the Time, and it looks so gothic and unsettling there may be spider eating like massive amounts of like just pour spiders over your face from the trailer i saw and just eat them all up and the book is by donald ray pollock we do have it okay so i assume it will be going off the shelf quite a bit once this thing hits in september so it's coming right around the corner september 16th if you want to get specific okay so basically check it out now so that you can read the book and then watch Oh, and definitely go check out the trailer, The Devil All the Time. It will give you a hint of just how deep deep American accents these English actors are going. It is intense, yeah, but it's not for the okay. lighthearted. Yeah, I'm always impressed how the English can do all the various American accents, but we are horrible. But we only have horrible English accents. We do. <laughs> We're the worst. That's, that's my, that's my uh, street English as opposed to, hello, I'm the queen. <laughs> You might have to do some of those a little later in the episode. (laughs) Speaking of the UK, the Women's Prize for Fiction in the UK is celebrating their 25th anniversary by creating the Reclaim Her Name project. And this is pretty cool. It's 25 books that were previously published under a male pseudonym, and they're being reprinted with the female author's real name on the the cover. And this includes Middlemarch by... Um, who we know as George Eliot, but her real name was Mary Ann Evans, which I would never have known. So it's a very cool project. And it's um, in partnership with Baileys, as in the Irish Cream Baileys. So you can download the 25 ebooks for free from the Baileys website. Just Google Baileys Reclaim Her Name. That's kind of cool. It is. And it's, you know, fun. Something to do while you're drinking your Baileys. <laughs> It's a good marketing partnership. <laughs> so, Sarah. Yeah? Do you know what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Only occasionally. Well, the shadow does. And evidently real soon. James Patterson will as well. What? James Patterson is reviving. Are you serious? He is reviving the shadow. They what? are doing a whole series of novels, and they're hoping to turn all of these into films. It's part of uh, Lit- Hatchet's Little Brown imprint, so they are going to have him come back, and he, the Shadow is a mysterious figure who combats crime through the network of agents. Uh, you might remember a very great movie. That's the word I'll use. Great movie starring Alec Baldwin from the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Where, what is it, Lamar Cranston? He is just a, you know, everyday, ordinary, rich guy who knows the evil that lurks inside because he's got the evil lurking inside him. Uh, It used to be a radio show. It's been turned into a comic, movies, and now it is going to be a series of novels by James Patterson. Oh, that's fascinating. I hope. I hope they're good. I hope he does a good job. <laughs> I do too. I, I, you know, this is a cool project. But it probably I, is something that he grew up maybe reading and and wants to. I would assume so. Back. I mean, it's it started way back in the '30s, so it's been around for a good long time. They've been pulp novels. They've had comic books that had covers painted by Alex Ross and Jim Steranko. Uh, they were popular in the '70s. 
But Conde Nast has signed on to help him out with this, with uh, purchasing the license. It should be pulpy and good. And much like Orange Juice, I love my novels pulpy and good. (laughs) Well, usually I don't like pulp, but today's theme is detectives and pulp fiction. We should set the tone. Okay. She walked in, books in her arm. You could tell she knew her way around the Dewey Decimal System. (laughs) She looked like the kind of dame that was in trouble, but more likely to cause trouble. (laughs) That's why I always loved the, the... the monologue that goes on with all these That's these kind one of, of the the prime things that's just amazing about all of the old school the dialogue. It's called Pulp Fiction based on pulp magazines of the nineteen twenties and thirties, the hard boiled detective tough guy. I immediately think of Dashiell Hammett. He was a legit Pinkerton agency detective in his twenties, the author was, and he wrote the Thin Man series. They drank a lot of cocktails. Maybe some Baileys, even though Baileys was probably not around in that time. Probably gin. And the Maltese Falcon that was originally released as a serial in the Black Mask Pulp magazine in the 1929. Which we have a copy of in audio format. And book format. Yeah. And movie format. Yeah, but I'm talking about we have a a copy of the audio book, an audio version of the Black Mask uh, stories. Yes, we do. I did see that as well. And there's there was at one point there was three. I'd have to go back to see. I don't remember. It's been a while. There, I just checked. Okay. There's three different ones that are all from Black Mask serials, mm-hmm. and it's done in audio format. I'm figuring it probably sounds like old school radio. It's better than that. I remember because I actually checked some of these out because I might like this stuff. <laughs> okay, tell me more about that. <laughs> but, but, yes. <laughs> No, it it, it kind of has that feel of those old timey stories, but it was the production qualities were higher. Yeah, because sometimes you're like, uh... sometimes like I checked out a copy of The Man in the Iron Mask, mm-hmm. and that one I, if I didn't know it was on CD, I would have thought it was recorded on wax tape. It was it was a little rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're talking pulps. Yeah, we can continue that. Because when you talk about hard-boiled detectives, when you talk about pulp and you talk about film noir, you're talking about these rugged, individualistic individuals that are trying to get ahead in a society that's trying to keep them down in some sort of way. And they usually don't end up any better than they started off. That's, I think one, that's one of the common themes is no matter how hard they try to get ahead, at best they survive. This is true. Yeah, they always get themselves in tricky situations and people aren't who they seem. Fast fists, fast women, fast cars, fast guns. (laughs) (laughs) Off topic, but this one I thought was a fun share is The Shining Girls by Lauren Bukes. It's an Australian author and it's set in the Depression era Chicago in the 1930s. It's a serial killer, Harper Curtis, who can time travel. Okay. Time traveling serial killer, you have my attention. It's so good. It's it's a little bit built like a horror. So it's kind of got a little bit of that old school pulp style, but it's 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 kind of terrifying and everything's on a clock because he coins his victims as shining girls because they are bright young women with burning potential. However, once he time travels to 1989, his victim, Kirby, survives and then she begins to hunt him. It was fantastic, and so Kirby becomes her own detective out of necessity. So is this one that you've actually read? I have read this. It's in our collection. Okay. I re- anything I've read by um, Lauren Bukes, it's been really good. 
Uh, Broken Monsters is another one. And I just saw that there was one that I've missed that is out there. So I'm going to have to add that to my list Don't you as well. love when you just kind of stumble on something yeah, that like, you oh, didn't yay. expect? And then, <laughs> bam, there it is. Like, I like that author. So you're talking Dashiell Hammett. So we're basically talking some, some different detective style things that we're having. And Dashiell Hammett is on my list as well of something that I would highly recommend. You mentioned the Maltese Falcon. You mentioned the Thin Man, the Continental Detective. But one of my favorites is Red Harvest. I have not read Red Harvest. Oh, Red Harvest is great. Uh, It's narrated by uh, the Continental Op. So again, he is a Continental Detective Agency. They were essentially like a Pinkerton style Mm -hmm. detective. It is a violent story where he finds himself in a corrupt town of uh, Personville, but they call it Poisonville. The Continental Op never gets a name. He's always just the Continental Op. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gets backed into a corner by uh, rival gangs, friendless and framed. He has to use his wits to set his enemies against each other and his talent for violence as well. It is dark, and if you you don't want to do it in book form, there's movies not of it, but definitely inspired by by, uh, the Coen brothers. One of their first movies, Blood Simple. Is the title is specifically taken from the Red Harvest story because guy went crazy. He was blood simple. He just wanted blood. Definitely, it's one of those style movies. Is it Rain Johnson, the, the gentleman who just did Star Wars movie, the second of the newer ones? What is that? Force Awakens was the first one. Whatever the next one was, he does. He has a, a movie that's more or less based on Red Harvest called Brick. So if you don't okay. want to read it, see it. Either way. You're going to be satisfied with the violence. You're going to be satisfied with the mystery. You're going to be satisfied with the two-fisted action. What else you got over there? Oh, I went with the Friday Fisher Murder Mysteries is set in 1920s. The book series is by Carrie Greenwood and set in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm sensing a theme here of Australia. I know, Australian as well as the female detectives. Mm-hmm. So Friday is a strong female lead who is coined as terribly fashionable unmistakably glamorous and handy with a pistol. And the TV show, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, is amazing. Have you seen them yet? I have not. They're they're the best thing ever. They're delightful. And Essie Davis plays Franny, and you might know her from The Babadook. Yes. She's the lead in that. Okay. So she's very talented. Babadook is a great movie. Not detective-y, but definitely one of the horror movies that I would recommend to the point that I recommended we get the DVD. Came in. It's in here. It's really good. And the costume on Mrs. Fisher's Murder Mysteries is extremely detailed. It's set to the time period just so. And it's so gorgeous that it has traveled as a museum exhibit. Uh, She's a private detective, often partners with Detective Inspector Jack Robinson to solve mysteries. All of the side characters are extremely well developed as well. And they're just fun. And the new 2020 film is available for checkout from the library called Mrs. Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, which I'm on the wait list for. Place to be. Be on the wait list means that you're in line. I'm in line. <laughs> I just recently watched this movie, and you can get it on YouTube. It's free. It's got a. It's named after the same book. It's a Mickey Spillane book. It is the, I believe, sixth Mick, uh, Mike Hammer novel. It's called Kiss Me Deadly. I'm sorry, Kiss Me, comma Deadly. So it'd be Kiss Me Deadly. <laughs> okay. But the the movie and the book dramatically differ. So the book, the premise is. 
A wrecking crew of a man, Mike Hammer, has his own rules and his attitude toward legalities and social niceties uh, make Dirty Harry look polite. Wow. Kiss Me Deadly emphasizes his quest for vengeance on the mafia. He gets drawn into a conspiracy theory after he rescues a woman on the side of the road who is on the run from a sanatorium, ends up getting knocked off the road by some mobsters and left for dead. Vengeance ensues. Kind of like an hilarity but vengeance ensues. <laughs> That's the theme with the Pulp Detective. <laughs> yes. Whereas the movie, it goes in a different direction. It's, it's more Cold War themed, so it's got some more espionage themes. Still has the same basic mm-hmm. framework of him picking up a woman on the run who's escaped from a psychiatric hospital and trying to figure out why the events happen. But this particular movie influenced quite a few movies further down the line, such as Repo Man, which is an Emilio Estevez sci-fi sort of picture where he is a repo man Mm -hmm. who well actually he's a punk who gets suckered into being a repo man by harry dean anderson uh, you would know from alien and there is a mysterious macguffin that's in the trunk of the car much like there's a mysterious macguffin that everybody's after and the bruce willis ving rames uma thurman john Travolta, Harvey Keitel, um, Samuel L. Jackson. a little bit like um, Pulp Fiction. It is. So much like there's a MacGuffin of that one, all that stems from this Kiss Me Deadly style okay. reveal. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because that's half the fun of the movie. But unlike some of those other ones, you'd, you'd, you'd get pretty good clue what that MacGuffin is by the end of the movie. When was it originally written? Uh, the book was originally written. I'm just putting you on the spot there. You are. I'm curious. uh, 52. Okay, 1952. Yes. There's that suggestion. Kiss Me Deadly, like I said, it's available on YouTube. Full movie. It's a little bit darker than the the book because Mike Hammer's, I mean, yes, he's a Dirty Harry style detective, but in this one, he is a bully and sadistic and just blackmail-y and and taking advantage of people. But it's film noir, so. It kind of works. Like I said, sometimes you're trying to get it ahead and all you do is survive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I shared all of my Pulp Fiction. Oh, then I'm going to continue for a moment (laughs) because I've got two more different categories I wanted to discuss because we're talking detectives. But detectives just don't come in, you know, modern day or past style settings. Some come in science fiction style settings. I am going to recommend two different, two sci-fi, one fantasy-esque style ones. They're classics. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been on Netflix. Some of them have been on the sci-fi channel and only had one season, but they don't follow the books per se, but I still enjoyed the the show. Uh, Jim Butcher's uh, Dresden Files series. Oh, that's a good yeah. Uh, Harry Dresden fun. is a professional wizard. He knows firsthand that every the everyday world is actually full of strange and magical things, and most of them don't play well with humans. And those who do enjoy playing with humans enjoy it far too much. Um, he also knows he's the best at what he does. Technically, he's the only one that does what he does. So when the Chicago PD bring him on to consult as a, a double homicide committed with black magic, he sees dollar signs. But where there's black magic, there's a black mage behind it. And now that mage knows Harry's name. That's the premise of the first of this series, Stormfront. And I read that one, and it is, they're fun reads. You can read them really quickly, too. I enjoy them, but the thing I I don't like about them, it's that it follows that standard fantasy trope where he starts off as one thing, but as time goes on, the powers stack, the powers stack, the powers stack, until eventually he's everything at once, kind of, you know, it just kind of grows exponentially. 
and you got to keep the character fresh. I get it. And mm-hmm. danger's new. And when you introduce new danger, you introduce new liabilities. So you got to overcome them in one way or another. But let's talk about sci-fi. Altered Carbon. You might have seen the uh, Netflix series based on the books by Richard K. Morgan. It is cyberpunk detective. Highly recommend this. Or if you're not feeling that and you want more of even more dirty, what about Philip K. Dick? Yeah, the man in the high castle. I wasn't going to go that direction. Which I was going to say, do androids dream of electric sheep? Okay, well, I haven't read or seen that one. You have. You've seen Blade Runner. Ah. Yes, I have. (laughs) You have seen Blade Runner. (laughs) Everybody has seen Blade Runner. So Dresden Files had a short-lived TV show. You can Uh check that for free on IMDb's TV, free TV by IMDb. You can check out. It's probably about 13 episodes. Ultra Carbon, you can check out if you have Netflix. I believe they just released a second season. And Blade Runner has two different movies, all of which are available here at the library to check out. And then finally, because we talk... It wouldn't be our podcast, Sarah, (laughs) if we didn't talk swamp occult murder. Many of our (laughs) episodes have had something to do with Uh, swamp murder. There is a book, and I am going to butcher this gentleman's name because there's, I'm assuming, a silent H or a silent J. Is it like French? I'm guessing Swedish. Okay, that's even harder to pronounce. Or Swedish or German. I I, I really don't know. But his name is William Jortzberg, and he wrote a book called Falling Angel. And big band frontman Johnny Favorite was singing for the troops when a Luftwaffe fighter squadron strafed the bandstand, killing the crowd and leaving the singer near death. The army returned him to a private hospital in upstate New York, leaving him to live out his days as a vegetable while the world forgot him. But Louis Cipher never forgets. Cipher had a contract with the singer, stipulating payment upon Johnny's death, payment that will be denied as long as Johnny clings to life. When Cipher hires private investigator Harry Angel to find Johnny at the hospital, Angel learns that the singer has disappeared. It's no ordinary missing person case. Everyone he questions dies soon after. As Angel's investigation ensnares him in a bizarre tangle of black magic, carnival freaks, and grisly voodoo, that's when sinister Louis Cipher begins appearing in Angel's dream, and the detective fears for his life, his sanity, and his soul. And they made it into a movie starring Mickey Rourke. It was called Angel Heart. It's kind of like a a cult horror Uh detective, and it's a fun, weird watch. Uh, If you like those style occult detectives, Mm -hmm. I would recommend uh, Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions starring Scott Bakula. Uh, He is a master of illusion, a magician who is trying to solve a Charlie Manson style situation. But yes, those are my suggestions for you. There are hundreds of these things out there. Obviously, if you're just looking straight for detectives, J.D. Robb, Lee Child, Patterson, James Patterson. (laughs) What else you want to talk, Sarah? Okay, well, I'm just to what I've been reading. What have you been reading? Well, I was finally reading Educated by Tara Westover, but it's too depressing for me right now. What is that one about? It's really well done. It's a memoir, and it's been on the bestseller list forever, but it's about her growing up without an education with her survivalist Mormon family in Idaho, and her father may have had some mental health issues, but he's kind of that we don't want 
the government basically know who we are. So the children didn't even, four of them didn't have birth certificates until much later in life. Those kind of situations always puzzle me when you see people and they're like, well, when were you born? And they're just guessing based on hearsay and rumor. And I, I'm like, how can that exist in the modern era? But I guess it ex- if you're living off the grid, it happens. It happens because they were trying to figure out her birth date. And it took, like, I think her grandmother had a date, her mother had a date, some other thing had a different date. Like, none of the dates were matching. So it's really hard to get the birth certificate when it's like, are you sure you're her parent? Yes. But anyways, it was too sad. So um, I'll go back to it later. She does eventually get an education. She even makes it to, like, I think Oxford. So, but I didn't get that far. So it's Cambridge or something. There's somewhere else. She's um, now got a very highly educated, but hence the name. So continuing with lady detectives like Franny Fisher, I decided to listen to M.C. Beaton's Agatha Raisin titles. I listened to both The Quiche of Death and The Vicious Bet. They're both delightfully charming. And we also have The Acorn Season 1 of Agatha Raisin, which I highly recommend, is even better than the audiobooks that I just listened to. She's a retired PR agent, and she's from the big city, but she moves to a tiny little country town called the Cotswolds, and she's sassy, and she seems to find herself in the middle of every single death that happens in this tiny little village. So is this kind of like Murder, She Wrote style situation where she's really the serial killer herself and just shows up at the crime scenes to make sure she can plant her DNA evidence there so she can get away with the murder while framing somebody else? No, is that really what Murder, She Wrote's like? <laughs> I don't know. You, you tell me. There's no reason why a mystery writer should show up at every murder, is there? Huh, weird how she shows up and then suddenly points to who the killer is. I think she's doing it. I think she's doing it. (laughs) It's not quite that way. I think she kind of reads people well because she's the PR person. So she's like, something's happening there. I don't trust that person over there. Like she can kind of read when troubles are brewing. Agatha Raisin. Yes. And then I've also noticed that a lot of the British Cozy Mysteries have been like shifting to BritBox or Acorn, which is harder to see. So if we, we might have the series that you're looking for at the library. We've got Agatha Raisin, Perot, Foil's War, Midsummer Murders, uh, Death in Paradise, Father Brown, and Grandchester. Do you have any favorite British murder mysteries? Broadchurch, but it's not a cozy. It's not cozy, and I still haven't finished it. It's a David Tennant. I feel like a lot of the British murder mysteries now are dark. They are. Luther. Yeah, they're all very heavy, and I get sad. Even like Happy Valley was... One. I didn't see Happy Valley, so I don't I know about see, that one. I saw one episode. That's the problem. I watched one episode, and I'm like, this is too much. I can't I can't do it. And I love dark. You you get me on a dark detective. I'm, I'm happy, but I can only do it in small doses at a time because I can't binge a lot of stuff. But yeah. if, you get, if it gets too dark and deep, I'm, I'll be in a, dark, a deep hole and trying to Google my way out. Oh, I can't do it. So anyways, that's me. Well, as I said, I was reading, I was watching Kiss Me Deadly recently because I was, I don't know, prepping for this episode or something. <laughs> I was going down my, my film noir web hole. The thing I am reading is I finally got a copy from Interlibrary Loan of Please Kill Me. So it, it now that other books have been put aside, I'll, I'll focus on my uh, Please Kill Me, the oral history of punk rock music. And it's basically a spoken word kind of interview book where they talk to various people that were in the the, the scene at the time, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, those kind of people. Sounds fun. It does, but they, it's its not happy either. Okay. Yeah, it's now a, we're back in the depressing. It, well, I mean, it's not that it's depressing. It's just things change. And what was once, I won't say acceptable, but tolerated, 
And times evolve. Times evolve. Society changes. Society changes, mm-hmm. and things that people were comfortable doing and saying at a certain time might be cringeworthy now. Yes, and you're like, oh my goodness. <sighs> no, nope, I got you there. I, sometimes I read, like when I read things that are like in the early 1900s, I'm 1920 or something like that. I'm like, oh goodness, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I think that's one of the things I like about some of the books and movies and intellectual properties that are coming out now is where they're looking at those things that just suck out loud because of who or what was behind them Mm -hmm. from a different perspective to make it more open to any, everyone Mm -hmm. and provide different perspectives. That sounds great. It does. We've talked about what we're watching. We've talked about what we're reading. What about what we're doing, Sarah? Virtual programming. Follow our Northwest Regional Library System Florida YouTube and our Bay County Public Library Facebook page or your library's Facebook page for more on programming. The lovely programs that are resuming virtually this September are Book Babies with Sandra and Read Rock and Rhyme with Tanya. The Book Babies will be Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. on our channels, and then Read Rock and Rhyme is Thursday mornings at 10. Early literacy is super important, and Sandra, our head children's librarian, recommends reading a minimum of five books a week to your babies, and the library is a great place to pick up a big stack of children's titles. The reference librarians have started What's Cooking program, which shares a ton of cookbooks in the collection. Uh, We have cookbooks in the collection. A lot of people don't know that. What, were you, like one cookbook? Is that what it is? No, tons. It's a huge, huge collection You're of gonna cookbooks. You're going to say like there's probably what? An entire range of cookbooks? Yes. That sounds absurd, Sarah. It's so Surely many. we don't have an entire range of all kinds of cookbooks ranging from different cultural styles. Mm-hmm. Different grilling styles, Mm -hmm. different diet styles. Even on bread making. Yes. Specialty topics. It's great. There's so many recipes. Why buy that book? cookbook before you try the recipes and know that you'll actually enjoy it. Sounds like a good plan. That's all I got. So I know you've been missing coming in and seeing our wonderful faces, getting your hands on the books, getting your hands on the audiobooks, getting your hands on the DVDs, maybe on a computer. Got good news for you. Starting October 5th, we will be reopening to the public. Limited hours. Uh, In-person visits will be limited from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then if you're still interested in doing your curbside pickup, that'll be from 1 p.m. until 4 p.m. We're asking you to stay in those kind of time zones. If you're here at 9, we may not be able to get you out to a curbside. We will be asking you to come in. And again, if you're here at 1 we're going to be bringing out to you. You're not going to be able to browse. So yes, these are grab-and-go library services. So it is a little different than normal library services. We are encouraging you to browse and then get your items and, and it's not as much lingering as usual. The computer lab is one hour per person daily. Um, if you do need an extension, if you're working on a job application or something like that, talk to library staff. We request that if you are not feeling well, please don't come into the library. Please wear your mask if you can. Maintain social distancing at six feet. Um, we do request that children under the age of 12 to be accompanied by an adult. And meeting and study rooms are still closed at this time as well. So, And virtual programming is going to remain. So it's a little different than our normal, but we are resuming some in-person library hours so that you can start browsing and 
using library services. I know we've also told you to hold on to your items. Well, now is the time to bring them back. We are able to take them. If you want to put them in the drop boxes out front of any of the libraries, now's the time to do that. They will stay on your card for about a week and a half after you put them in there. That's while they go through a quarantine process. So don't panic if you turn them in and then check your card the next day and still see them on there. That's part of the process that's going to happen here for the next little bit where we're going to put them aside, run them through some quarantine procedures, and then they'll come off your card after about a week and a half. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're only going to limit me to 20 items. Don't worry about that. We'll have you covered. We will be doing some overrides to make sure that you have the ability to get some items out, no matter how many you already have on your card. The other thing to be aware of is that starting October 15th, fines will be starting up again. There's going to be a little bit of wiggle room in there, obviously, due to the quarantine procedures. But if you're holding on to those items for a week or a week and a half after their due dates before you put them into the drop boxes to go through that week and a half quarantine procedures, those fines are going to start showing up. So just keep aware of your due dates. Turn items in on time. If you got items that you've had for a long period of time out, now's the chance to get them back because we miss some. We want to get them to other people. We skipped this for the last two casts. Go for it. What are we doing? Oh. What do you want to do? You see my eyes lighting up because I'm thinking about what time of year it might be when we, we do this next recording. It might get towards October. Oh, we might. What's that lurking under your bed? What's that hiding in the closet? What's that lingering in the shadows just over there? Feel that beating, that steady pulse? Is it under the floorboard? Is it coming to get you? Those things that go bump in the night. Thanks for joining us at BCPL Unstacked, and stay tuned for more episodes. Stay safe and read, my friend. It's good for you. Bye. Bye.